there. Welcome to ATL and 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I am here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a late Saturday evening after the conclusion of the Hawks preseason when they finished three and two. We've got the regular season a few days away. It's a good time to back up and take the thousand mile view of the team. Uh, you know, and I would say that, you know, Glenn did a great job putting out a call for questions today. We got a bunch of great questions from our listeners. And I think our main objective today is to address what we saw in the preseason through the prism of some of those questions. Glenn, how are you doing? I'm good. Good to be back home. Good to have had time with family and friends in Atlanta and my daughter up in Chattanooga and uh, our little uh, get together at the, at the Hawks game uh, against the Cavs. Great to meet some Hawks fans, some folks I often interact with on Twitter and stuff. And good to see you uh, in person. Uh, we've had a kind of a digital uh, relationship uh, in a sense to this point. It was good to have some time time with you there too. So I'm back home and ready for the season to get going. All right. Uh, maybe for our first question uh we could take this one from chris that says can you please answer one thing for me on the pod why should we wait to start building around jalen and trey what benefit is there to not starting that transition today uh, i'll push back and say okay yes they've, they've been building around trey for a while so the question here to me is uh are the hawks ready to build around jalen is he ready to be a building block for the atlanta hawks on October 21st, 2023. Yeah, so um, you know, Chris, one of my favorite guys to interact with on Twitter, he, he, we disagree a lot, but we have a lot of fun doing it. That's kind of one of my favorite kinds of Twitter relationships to have. So shouts to Chris for being uh, always being very engaging and, and fun to, to chat with. Uh, so, I mean, I think Jalen has kind of been the point of contention I've seen the most from Hawks fans so far in the preseason. A lot of a lot of fans feels like he's a lot of Hawks fans feel like he's really ready to go. Um, I will say this, you know, I've said openly on Twitter that um, and we'll address it here, that I, I think he's not quite ready to start uh, in the way that uh, what Quinn is kind of looking for from the group he he's going to start. Um, and that has nothing to do with my opinion of Jalen's ability, his potential. Uh, Jalen, uh, uh, I'm very excited about him. Very unique size, skill, uh, passing, ball handling, ability to operate in transition. Uh, he's been growing as a defender uh, and those things. But, you know, until now, he's mostly played off the basketball, almost exclusively off the basketball and offense. In this preseason, we've seen him in primary action a lot. Ball screener operating after the ball screen, whether that's diving to the rim or, uh, you know, or, or doing something else, um, working with the Congo, especially in five out delay action. And Quinn, I, I think from what we've seen, seems to like pairing a Congo and Jalen together and letting their kind of combined ball handling and passing skill and, and, and emerging shooting skill for both of them, uh, create a different kind of spacing dynamic than, than what you get with the first group. So, I love Jalen. I think he's uh, going to be a, a, a really, really good player. Um, but there's a lot of new stuff he's encountering right now. A lot of new stuff. There's stuff he hasn't done at at any sort of volume at all. 
And so I just think he needs some more time to acclimate uh, to that. When I watch him in the half-court offense, for example, he really wants to be a passer. That's great because he's a great passer. But with his body type and his ability to kind of dribble, uh, you know, past defenders uh, conceptually, you know, finding that gear uh, where he just sees, a, you know, a, a defender in front of him, she, he's able to get past. His instinct is not to attack that defender. Yet his instinct is to kind of set up a pass uh, or do something along those lines. And so I think for Jalen to fully realize his potential, he's got to find that balance between being an aggressive uh, athlete with the ball in his hands and a facilitator. And I think he's just uh, kind of uh, pretty far away from that in, in some sense. Now, I just think it's going to take him some time. And I think the second unit is a really safe place for him to do that. Now he can play off the bench and play a lot of minutes. He can close games. He can, uh, you know, really help push the pace against opposing team second units. So I don't think this is a bad spot for him this year. Now to circle back to Chris's question, which I haven't really addressed yet, why should the Hawks wait? I know some Hawks fans would even put a Kongwu into this question as well. Why is Clint still on the team? Should we push all in with this young emerging talent that we have? For me, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to win as many games as you can this season, you're going to take advantage of the depth this roster currently offers and hopefully prioritize, continue to prioritize the development of the young guys like Akangu and Javen. Some, some, you know, AJ may be moving towards that group eventually too. And so for me, I think Quinn is doing what most NBA coaches do. He's going to start his most experienced and reliable five you know, veterans and create a role on the second unit uh, for the young guys to grow into bigger roles, doing more things, doing a greater number of varied kind of things. And I think that's a pretty normal approach. What is the benefit? What is gained by not doing it? Well, I think you're just prioritizing this season. Uh, if fans are like, no, I don't want the I don't want to watch the Hawks win 47 or 48 games and see these young guys not get the opportunity to build on their potential. I get that. I think that I think there's an understandable perspective being shared there. But what I will say is I just think very few NBA coaches, apart from an organization going all in on rebaselining what they who they view as their young core, as their core. I think it'd be atypical for the Hawks to be like, oh, no, we're going to elevate Jalen now. We're going to move Hunter to the bench or we're going to play Bay off the bench or whatever that might look like. Or, you know, it's kind of swapping out uh, a Kongwu and Clint. So I understand the sentiment. I think it's a great question. I think it's a great conversation to have. I think it's really interesting. And and I and I don't I'm not dismissive at all of any fans that have that view. Um, but I, I think Jalen is completely capable of growing for the first half of the season, roughly, maybe more, playing on the second unit. Heavy minutes, hopefully, but playing on the second unit. Congo, I think, is closer to kind of needing, um, you know, a more substantial role to kind of get to the next level. But that's my long-winded answer. What's your, what are your thoughts? Hi. I think Jalen is closer to being a building block maybe than, than, than what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, I was having a conversation with someone about this today. Um, and they, they asked me about the Hawks and I, and I think what the Hawks have is a very unique season in, in front of them in that 
you know, you look at them compared to the other teams in the East and what is it that they do well? I mean, it's, they have Trey and they have depth. They're just, you know, of, of the top eight teams in the East, I, you know, I think they're the one with no holes. Like they can play nine players. They can play nine really good players. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's important for the future. Like if the Hawks want to take whatever the next step is, I don't think every, all those nine players are going to be here a year from now, two years from now. Uh, but they have a unique chance right now to keep those nine and be the deepest team around. Um, and so if you're going to do that, there's natural pairings. I mean, Jalen and Nakongwu, they're in sync. Like they just know what to do. A Kongwu just in general is a great pass receiver. Like he mm-hmm. knows where to go to get the ball put to him in a great spot. And Jalen more than any Hawk really is, is taken advantage of that. Like he just knows, okay, and Nick is going to be here. This is going to be a great spot to get involved. Boom, boom. And all of a sudden it's a quick hitter. So those, I mean, it just seems like those two have to be together. And so if you're going to take advantage of this depth, Clint has to play. He's probably better off paired with the spacing of Sadiq. Um, Jalen's really close, but I just think that to to take advantage of what they have, they have this really, I think they have a really special opportunity just because they're so deep. They just have nine really good players. Like Bogey is a starter on a lot of teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Akongu is a starter on a lot of teams. Um, that's that's what they do well this season. Um, they've got to take what Quinn will give them and just use it, stay healthy, and then you know see where that can get them. Uh, I don't think they can just turn the ratings over to Jalen when they are this deep. They just have to have him sort of fit a role. And you know, though I think the one other drawback that you have to bring up here is that. I still think Okongwu and Jalen Johnson are, are going to be prone to foul trouble as they kind of get their feet wet in these bigger roles. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm ready for them to see some 30-minute games, but they're going to be nights when they play 19 because they get in foul trouble. So, you know, I, I think it's going to average out. Yeah, I think I think those are great points and all, all well said. And it, it's funny because I, as I recall a number of conversations that are similar to this I've had with coaches, you know, some coaches would tell you that playing a Congo and Jalen together in a second unit in a way might be a shorter path to getting them to where you want them to be, to elevate them together at some point when the time is right. Right. And to really let those two like really learn how to play off of each other. Um, There there, there is a day coming when it's Trey Jalen and a Congo and the passing in that lineup is going to be freaky. Like they're just going to have this amazing connectivity. There'll be questions other places, but they're going to be able to to be kind of mean with what they can do, getting the ball around the floor in a half court offense. Totally agree. Yeah, and 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 it is exciting. It's really exciting. And I do think that you know if we fast forward whatever amount of time, we're going to see Trey, Jalen, Akongwu. Uh, and then we'll see, you know, is AJ become kind of part of that group? You know, how long does Bogey, you know, uh, kind of continue playing at this level, right? He's been so good, you know. And then Bay is a perfect guy to put into the mix just because of his ability to move off the ball, space the floor, you know, make shots and and all that sort of stuff. So it's a really exciting group. Uh, but I understand Hawks fans. Um, I understand where, like, the frustration with Hunter comes from. I understand that. 
Uh, I still think Hunter's important uh, to this team, but if there are Hawks fans that are like, no, I think Jalen should be playing in front of Hunter. I understand where that comes from, right? But I think if he's if you could get Quinn to give you a, a you know a really direct and honest answer, he would say, I think he would say, we want a Congo and Jalen to really kind of learn how to play together, and we think this is the right approach for how we make that happen. And and I do think Jalen and the Congo are an absolutely massive part of this Hawks future. And I like you, I'm hoping for a lot of minutes. This year, I'm hoping to see them close games, you know, at times. Uh, and and I and I think this is that's one of the more kind of exciting aspects of, of this team as we kind of get the season going. So I'm excited, but I, I will also say I understand Quinn's approach here. And uh, and I think it makes sense. Uh, I, you know, the I think the question maybe in the, in the back of the other question, in the back of the Hawks fans' minds is, is Quinn going to be stubborn about this if it becomes kind of, obvious to everyone that it's time to kind of shift those guys really into bigger roles then can will he pull the trigger and i think we're just gonna have to kind of wait and see what that looks like and whether that's you know we're talking about december january february or whatever you know and uh it's kind of see what that is but i you know i i understand quinn's approach and i also understand the enthusiasm that hawks fans have with the, the young guys and and i understand that the hawks fans have seen this team function in the play in the last two years and are, are feel like uh, kind of mixing it up is the right approach to try to get generate different results this year. So I get it. I, I want to uh, ask another question here from one of our listeners. Sure. Uh, but I, I kind of, it kind of dovetails with a point that I wanted to make, which is, you know, one of the, one of the themes of the preseason is, Hey, what, what can Trey do? off the ball, right? I mean, we've been talking about this for years now. And I think one thing that you have to take into consideration when you talk about, well, hey, what can Trey do off the ball? You have to you have to look at what you've got out there with him. Like who's going to be giving him the ball? Like what sort of, in what sort of situations is the ball going to come to him and who's going to get it to him? Because if he plays with Hunter Bay and Capella in a starting lineup, none of those three is an above average passer for their positions. So, uh, you know, I, I, we see, we've seen some of Trey. I mean, first of all, Trey was fantastic in the preseason. So when you're talking about what do you expect from the Hawks this season, like if Trey can be what he was in the preseason, he just looked super comfortable with all yep. the stuff that Quinn wants out of him. But, uh, you know, second of all, I think we've seen him some with bench units, and those are the ones where he's going to be able to play off the ball some. And when he's with that starting lineup of Hunter Bay Capella, probably needs to be on the ball an awful lot just because he's going to have to be the initiator. And so we have this question and, and let me put this part of it to you. How concerned should we be about the possibility that a lineup featuring Hunter Bay and Capella just might not have enough passing. And that was from the Braves, David. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think, I think it's grounded in the limitations we've seen in this team offensively at times the last few seasons, right? Um, Trey gets blitz, Trey gets doubled, Trey gets the opposing team. They load up on Trey. What can the other players do, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the past two seasons, part of that was Hunter and JC being on the floor together. And then if they're on with Capella, it's very hard to kind of imagine how you generate the ball movement you want to take advantage of you know, what, what the defense does to force the ball out of Trey's hands. So, you know, so it's a great question, uh, you know, for me. 
is it is it an area of concern uh, for me? Um, I think it is, you know, and I think I think it's something to kind of watch for. It was interesting to watch Hunter be so aggressive, especially in this last game. And and I put a few videos out on Twitter earlier today. And what was funny to me was that in the game, I thought I saw like Hunter grab and go and push the ball end to end and make a play. And and it wasn't until the rewatch that I did today. Um, where I noticed Trey was basically talking him into doing it, you know, go, 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 you got it. Which is which is different for Trey too. Trey's kind of mode the last few seasons has always been to come get the basketball, right? And and there was that one example where Hunter drove the lane and, and got a lob to Clint and and Trey was encouraging him and empowering him to do that. Another where I saw DeAndre use that strong rip through and attack the right side uh, of the floor and get to the rim and, and get the layup. I didn't notice until the rewatch. Clint was basically saying, go, go, go. You know, Clint had Embiid above the free throw line. There was no rim protection down there. And so it was interesting on the rewatch to see Hunter being encouraged by his teammates, empowered by his teammates. And so I think, I still think Hunter is like the biggest variable offensively here that if he can do the things we talked about playing on the catch, going on the catch. And I thought like, and, Watching in real time, Hunter was doing that, you know, surprisingly well. On the rewatch, I could see he was having to be encouraged to do that. And so for me, you know, Clint is Clint. Clint's a finisher. He's a rim runner. He helps a ton. He's a great screener. He's a good offensive rebounder. All that stuff. Can he help move the basketball when it's forced out of Trey's hands? So to me, I think this is going to kind of be Quinn's responsibility. If the opposing defense is loading up on Trey, blitzing, trapping, whatever, and that unit can't punish that. I think Quinn's got to get different guys on the floor. Right. And I think that's where Jalen's role gets bigger in that game. That's where Kongu's role gets bigger in that game. That's where Bogey maybe plays 35 minutes, you know, in a game like that. And because I don't think there's a way to kind of magically get that group to become above average passers. Right. And so I think this is a co- largely the roster is what it is. The construction is what it is. None of those guys are going to become vastly different players from a ball handling and passing perspective. So I think the thing is, it's just like we saw against Miami last year. Quinn really didn't let Spo kind of get into an aggressive defense. He deployed Bogey and, and the Bay together, and they absolutely torched the Miami defense, and Miami could not get into anything aggressive on Trey. And I think that's a little bit of a foreshadowing, I think, of what Quinn's going to do this year. You're going to load up on Trey? Hey, Bogey, Bay, plus maybe even Jalen and Akon. We're going to load up on our ball handling and passing, so I think this is Quinn's responsibility to deal with. Yeah, I mean, there there were some times in the first half of the Philadelphia game where you could see the Hawks trying to use Bay as as a table setter, and it didn't go well. There, he hasn't had a lot of reps in the preseason. He missed yep. some of those first, you know, two or three games at home. But um, you know, it's something to keep an eye on. It yeah. it, it didn't go well. Yeah, the first play of the game, they ran him in the, on the right mid post, kind of the old Mills. I think of it as the old Millsap play, right? Mm-hmm. Where and, and he made an atrocious decision, made a terrible pass, you know. But I mean, I think Quinn's been kind of like, hey, we'll give you some opportunity in the preseason and see how it goes. But whether him, whether it's him creating and delay action hasn't gone great. That one didn't go great, and and so I wonder if the, if that's just like was an experiment for the preseason and. And I go back to doing the things he was doing last year, um, you know, which is what he did, which is what he's great at. So it's I, so, yeah, Nate, um, 
had his strengths, but he was uh, like a lot of coaches of his generation, a little on the stubborn side, maybe a lot on the stubborn side. I think Quinn pulling the trigger in real time and shifting and countering with different personnel, depending upon what the other defense, the opposing team's defense is trying to do to Trey. I think that's the card that Quinn has that he can play. And, and I think that he'll be quicker with it than, um, you know, we've seen from other coaches in recent seasons. Dante from the 404 asked what I think maybe is the most interesting question in my mind from what I saw from the Hawks this preseason. Uh, he said last year, Quinn talked about every guy taking responsibility for the defense. And this year so far, we've seen some soft help on drives and aggression on ball screens. We need more reps. Obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sidebarring here, but yeah, five preseason games isn't enough, but you know, that, that puts the Hawks in rotation. And he asked, but all the rotation behind the action can leave some three-pointers open. Can we win like that? Yeah, I want to give you first shot at this because you've seen them live more than me. And, and I think this kind of stuff jumps out at you more live. So so what, what what's your thoughts on that? For, and also, Dante is a great follow on Twitter. Great, just really, really thoughtful guy. So I want to encourage people to go go find him and, and, and follow him. But um. But yeah, so what are your thoughts for having seen this team play live quite a bit? I mean, I am concerned, first of all. So I'll, I'll put that there. Um, and I'll, I'll get to the concerns in a minute. But at the same time, it's encouraging. I would say from almost from minute one, I've been impressed with the mental recognition and the mental speed at which they've processed the rotations that need to happen behind whatever sort of aggression it is. I mean, there's been different types of aggression too. We've, uh, you know, it's been, okay, uh, here's a, you know, here's a pick and roll. We're going to, you know, put two to the ball and rotate behind it. There, It's been, uh, you know, you've got a, a an A, a or A plus kind of ball handler and you want to, uh, you know, put the guys, put the defenders who are one pass away in the gaps and have them play sort of aggressive to just kind of give them a walled up look uh, and, you know, rotate behind that. And, and you know, I've been really impressed with how quickly and how uh, correctly they've, they've rotated. I, I, you know, for preseason games, for having just started this, I think it's been really impressive when when you ask about training camp in the preseason. You know, Trey has said, among others, you know, what's been our, what's our focus? Been our focus has been defense. You sometimes he gets asked a question about the offense, and he's like, "We really haven't done much of that. We've been doing defense." And so I think that it's impressive how how well they've picked up the defense. And, and you know, there are times when you know, let's say Clint has been up high. Uh, you know, where somebody like Jalen on the backside has just been really stout. Like he he covers a lot of ground. Like he can cover the weak side corner and the rim and do a really tidy job on that. We saw uh, in this most recent game against Philadelphia, DeJounte in the same situation. And he's it's just different. It's not a knock on DeJounte. Uh, Jalen is 6'9 and fast, and DeJounte is 6'3, and it's just a different situation. And it was hard for him to have both of those covered. Uh, and, and so, you know, 
I think there's more progress to be made. I don't think they expect this to be a finished product. There's going to be, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of nuanced things that come down the line. You know, one of the things you can do is you can try to get DeJounte out of that situation. He'll be with somebody else on the weak side. You know, can you scram Jalen down low and get DeJounte up high? I think there are wrinkles like that coming. Um, but, you know, I I think it's just a tough tactic. I like it because it plays to the strengths of Trey and DeJounte defensively. I've really liked what I've seen from Trey defensively in the preseason. He looks good on defense. Like he's trying to get charges. He likes those freelance roles. He does a good job of of being aggressive and getting hands in the right places. And, you know, it's it's I think it's an easier job for him than just fighting over some massive screen. Um, you know, so I think it plays to their strengths. I think it's a, a pretty clever idea to try to make this happen. I think it plays to the strengths of somebody like a Kongu as well. And so I, I get why you want to do it, but, you know, Dante brings up the big point, which is, you know, you play against a good passing team that's five out like Indiana and they're going to get up 49 threes, 49 attempts from three. And it's like, Ooh, that's, that, that's painful. And, and I don't, you know, that's on a, a game where you didn't necessarily, uh, or that's probably the game where they made the most mistakes. Um, but you know, it, it, it's concerning that, uh, you know, if, if they play the wrong opponent that, uh, they can get in some trouble. I, I think it helps them in a lot of situations, but, um, hopefully they can come up with the wrinkles and some curveballs and change-ups that, uh, they can play off of that when they encounter an opponent that is really well poised to make them pay in that kind of situation. Yeah, and I all well, it's really well said. And I, I think, I think again, the, some of this comes to Quinn and his staff, right? So, I on the rewatch, I noticed more of Bay organizing. You know, when Clint was up to four, you know, doing a great job, like a really, really good job. And uh, there was one possession where, um, you know, they ran an elbow series with Embiid, kind of at the right, you know, on the right side of the free throw line. They ran away action on the left side and brought you know, flip that into a ball screen. And DeJounte did a great job urgently staying attached to the the ball handler. He freed up Clint to get back to Embiid. Bay exchanged Embiid back over to Clint. And Bay got out, closed out on Tobias Harris. It was just like really good connectivity, you know. And Bay kind of made all that happen as the guy who was anchoring while Clint was up the floor. Hunter has been great at that, the two games he's played as well. It's the area of strength for him. J- Jalen is it's really more the athleticism and the range his decision making yep. is a little behind <laughs> you know yeah uh, but that's just that's just reps that's just experience he, he absolutely has the capability I have zero doubts about that he just needs more experience right mm-hmm. and he'll get there too but man he has the athleticism to kind of even overcome him reading something a little bit later you know if his read is a tick later he has the athleticism to kind of you know uh overcome that that timing you know um disadvantage or whatever so what a great guy to grow into a third guy you know kind of functioning back there but you know to me the, the biggest difference in there in the how the first half went the second half went against philly was in the first half it was hunter and bay and jalen low man like basically the whole first half a little bit you know a, a, you'll see so a few guys here and there and Trey and DeJounte were up high. Uh, when Trey and DeJounte are on together, they let those two switch as needed. You know, when those two guys are kind of encountering the same kind of, you know, guard-to-guard switch or whatever that might be, or three-man action with DHO, stuff like that. Uh, when DeJounte's off, Trey, you know, 
or when Trey's off, DeJounte has to play it more kind of straight up. Seems to be kind of the the the, the rules um, that are deployed there. But in the second half, Trey and DeJounte were the low men like the whole third quarter, it felt like. And to your point that you described earlier, like that's that's an issue, right? They just don't have the size to kind of kind of function in that way. Um, and and so it'll be interesting to see how Quinn helps his his group navigate that. They were they were doing some things like zoning ATOs, which kind of you know buys you some possessions and lets you kind of deploy kind of kind of how you want to go there. So definitely something to keep an eye on, and a, and a really good question from Dante there. Chester Brown asked, uh, "What type of actions could get DJ more in the flow of the offense?" He's taking more threes, but when he gets the ball, it's like, oh, it's my turn. And then then he goes one-on-one to score. You know, I think I'll answer this kind of in a short version. I think I think DJ is DJ. And I think you got to let him be DJ. And uh, you know, and to me, I think when there is space, I think he has to attack that space. And you know, and we've talked about this a little bit over the offseason where he he tend his instinct is more to kind of take a dribble, maybe two dribbles, see how the defense is reacting to the ball having rotated to him, for example, and then he goes. I think now he has to go right, and we all know he wants to. He wants never one thing. He wants to get to the nail with a pull up at the nail. That, that's that's what yeah. he wants, right? Second choice is the floater, right? Uh, if he can't kind of get to that pull up, he's much more confident in that pull up, but he's pretty good with that floater too. And so I think he just has to be empowered to be him and do those things. And it's up to everyone else around him to kind of help him have those opportunities and get into that space. When DeJounte gets middle, like whether it, whether the other team is soft playing the middle pick and roll that DeJounte is running, or if he's attacking the middle from the ball rotating to him, he's really good at that stuff. And so I'm not too concerned about trying to get him to do different things. I just want him to go faster uh, when the ball finds him, that's my that, that's that, that's my take. It's a great question from Chester, another one of my uh, kind of guys I, I love interacting with on Twitter. Really thoughtful guy too. Um, but yeah, I, I I think sometimes it looks clunky, but I think there is really a way to take advantage of DJ skills to let him attack the space. I just think he has to kind of overcome his instinct to want to take a beat, then go, just go, and that's going to be something to kind of watch. And I'll be interested to see how Dejounte deals with that kind of kind of new challenge. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like the trade, Trey and Dejounte in the preseason looked really comfortable together. Like I, I, I didn't, I haven't watched the preseason and think, oh, it's, it's, it's a problem, Trey and Dejounte. Like I, they look fine to me, and you know, somehow the playoffs is a little bit different than the regular season. You, you want to have this nice synchronicity in the regular season, but I just think having uh, somebody like that next to Trey, when, when push comes to shove and uh, you have to get a little bit more isolation dependent in the playoffs. I think, you know, he's, he's just a a good player to have next to Trey. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I just, from what I've seen from Trey and DeJounte in the preseason, uh, not really concerned there. Uh, yeah, and, and I and I think one thing that kind of points to that kind of directed Chester this observation, which I respect, is Quinn saying we we've really been working on the defense, you know. And so I, you know, and I, and I think that has shown up some rough patches on offense as 
to me. Yeah. It looked like a team that hasn't really, really put in a lot of time on that side yet, which makes sense, you know, which the, the, what they're doing defensively is really different, you know, and offensively, you can right trade the first 10 games of the season, you know, or what have you, and then kind of build up what you're doing on that end after you kind of get your defense settled, which is always an NBA coach's priority is getting the defense right first. Uh, maybe some that are a little bit quicker. Uh, here's one from Kevin Z. It <laughs> says, do you think Kobe is showing enough improvement to play maybe 10 or 15 minutes a game in a healthy rotation? Uh, not yet. I don't, you know, I, I think he's, I think he had a really good preseason for a young rookie, but there's a lot of responsibility that comes with playing guard a lot. Right. And that he's going to have the ball in his hands and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think he exceeded expectations, but I still think we're looking at, um, you know, Patty Mills probably being that emergency guard, you know, through, I don't know, mid-December, you know, at least. Uh, and then from there, I'm bullish on him, but I, I just think he he needs uh, more time. Um, I, I think he's, I think what we learned is he's, he's not necessarily going to kill you if you have to go to him, right? Uh, I think he's going to do enough positive things and stuff like that. But in terms of being ready to play, you know, 10, 15 minutes a night, every game in the rotation, I, I'm thinking more of a, mid to late December before he might start to see Quinn put his toe in the water on that one. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he's ready. And I think it kind of goes with what we were saying before about when you, when you talk to the players, they're like, well, this was a defense focused preseason. Like I wouldn't say that he was a good defender, but I, there were very encouraging signs. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he wasn't necessarily as consistent as some of his teammates in the, uh, quick decision, quick rotation department, but he was pretty good. There, there were times just like, oh, he was on that. He made that snap decision. It was the right decision. Yeah. Um, you know, there was another time in the preseason where, you know, he was going to be that low man help defender and he had a big with him and he was the one who initiated it. He told the big, hey, you get down here. I'm going up there. And it wasn't the big, you know, it wasn't the veteran big saying, hey, you know, Kobe, get the heck out of here. You're in the wrong, you know, we got to get you out of here. No, he, Kobe was the one who initiated it. And I was like, oh, that's a good sign. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you could tell that he's kind of sponging up uh, this, this very defense oriented preseason. So I, I, you know, I thought things got really clunky when he was out there in a lot of the preseason games. I think there's a lot of work to go and a lot of positive signs. Uh, but I think, you know, I think we see that he's a good learner. And uh, mm -hmm. you can see him learning. Uh, I see a lot of signs that uh, he's uh, way ahead of, of, you know, what you would expect from your typical young 20 year old skinny point guard. He's, he's in a pretty good spot, but I don't think he's ready to be a rotation player. Yeah. They're going to be a really smart player. And I think yeah. he's going to put it together more quickly than a lot of rookies his age will, especially as a guard. Uh, let's see here. This is another quicker one i think uh should we uh this one's from nelson john should we expect to see on at the four to start or close some games like we did versus the pelicans i think i think it's going to be the exception not the rule i think it might happen now and then but it's going to be like the pelicans were throwing valentinus and zion at you like who else has that right right and so i like i think ben was like we're going to treat these guys as two centers and so I, I think I think it's going to be have to be lineups that look like that, which you don't encounter very often. I agree. I mean, it, I think it would have to be something dire 
uh, lineup wise from the opponent or, you know, something where Bay is hurt. Um, I guess that was kind of both, <laughs> both of those were true in the New Orleans game. I do think, you know, the, the reason I want to see it is that there are going to be situations at the end of games where it's like, uh, we're not worried about the offense. We've got timeouts in the bag. We just need to get like our, the best five person group that we can get out there defensively. And I, I think that it's important that Anyeka can can play the four in those spots where it's just, hey, we need one possession stop because um, while they have, I think, nine terrific rotation players, um, you know, we, when you think of how do you put five guys out there to get a stop at the end of the game, I I definitely want Anyeka to be one of those five with Clint yeah. if, you know, if they're both out of foul trouble, you know, they yeah. haven't fouled out and they're they're not hurt. Like, I think, you know, in a game that you control, you've got the lead, you've got timeouts if you need to reset on offense. If you just want to get a stop, I want both those guys out there. Yeah. I, and it's interesting, I think, two of the teams that pop up to my mind that are not quite what the Pelicans have, but Bucks, Lopez and Giannis out there together. Yep. I, I think Quinn goes that. I think Quinn tries that. Sure. Uh, Celtics, if Horford and Porzingis are out together. Yep. You know, none of those guys are going to kill you off the dribble. I think I think there are more of those this year than we would have seen. And I think that's why Quinn got some some uh, got them some experience with that. So I, I think we'll see it. I just think it, it's not going to be you know something he goes to like every game. Uh, some people ask good questions, but I feel like they overlapped with other good questions. Uh, did did we we didn't address uh, we didn't address this question from Josh? Did we? He said. Just from the preseason, aside from Jalen, which player looks to have had their role changed the most? Oh, what, what a great question. Um, you know, and so, I mean, it's just Jalen just jumps out at you. So Josh is right to kind of call that out. Um, but for me, I, I think it's I think it's DeJounte. You know, DeJounte shooting more threes, uh, making a decision more quickly on, on the catch. And I think a Kongwu, the shooting and the spacing and then the versatility there. And so I think but I think for Kongwu, we kind of saw him a little bit of this last season, right? And then and then I think DeJounte is like, you know, they've been letting where DeJounte's change comes from letting a Kongwu and, and Jalen initiate and delay action and fight out. That changes what DeJounte's role is there, right? Mm-hmm. Last season when Trey was off, DeJounte kind of ran everything. Right. That's not what we've seen this year. So I think DeJounte is probably the next guy for me to have the most change. And that's as we elevate Jalen and Okongwu and maybe try to kind of encourage Hunter to kind of lean more into being aggressive, too. That's that's my answer. Yeah. I mean, you you kind of said it in your answer, but, you know, I might say Onyeka because you've got him playing five out. Like that's yep. that's kind of a change for him, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, great questions. Appreciate it. Yeah, great questions. Uh, I think we're just about out of time, and I feel like we've hit most of them in some form or other because some of them overlap a little bit. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank everybody that asked questions. I want to thank everybody that came out to our meet and greet after the Cleveland game. That was great. And uh, I guess we can just finish by saying goodnight, Bob. Good night, Bob. Yeah, a tough one for Bob today. So uh, he knows what that means. So hang in there, Bob. <laughs> All right, then.